Um, yeah, so just want us to be praying this week um, that, that those who are on vacation or getting extra sleep or don't have school or in Mexico, which was where I would like to be, um, like Bree, um, be praying for them that they would get rest for their souls. Um, I think all of us need that. And um, I have asked Yvette to read out of Luke 6. We're going to be reading 1 through 16 as we just talk about um, Sabbath, about our Sabbath rest, what it means to have Sabbath, um, kind of break down that, look back at the book of Exodus and Genesis where it originated and kind of bring it forward to what Jesus is talking about um, and uh, go from there. So, Yvette, take it away. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus, Jesus replied, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests could eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, The Son of Man is, is Lord even over the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life, or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one, and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose twelve of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Great job. <clears throat> I feel like I would have I would listen to an app of reading the Bible if Yvette was the voice on there. <laughs> like trade out Oprah or um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones or whoever else reads it um, for Yvette's uh, version of it. I just think you have such a like beautiful way of reading it. And so in the midst of the narrative tonight, um, I believe that Dr. Luke presents to us three separate images of the meaning or the purpose of Sabbath. Um, and this word Sabbath is largely a religious term. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone outside the church use the word Sabbath. Um, sabbatical. A sabbatical um, in an uh, educational setting. 
Um, but it, it's really unknown, I think, outside of the confines of Christian community. And it, and it literally means, I was like thinking there was some deep like theological meaning to it. It literally means to abstain from all work. It's like a very straightforward um, thing. And I think all of us could get behind this idea of Sabbath, of uh, abstaining from work. I think we would be okay with that um, in our culture. And I think as, as glorious as a day without work is for us, the Sabbath is so much deep, deeper and more meaningful than this shallow definition of just taking a day off, um, as great as that might be. Um, its origins go back to Genesis chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 3. So we're looking at it right after the story of creation, right? God had created light and darkness. He had created the animals. He had, you know, put the water and the land and all the good, cool stuff that, that God created. And he had even created man. And it says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested or ceased from all work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his, uh, rested all his work, sorry, rested from all his work of creation. And again, like we've talked about with Jesus, I don't think that God required rest. Um, I think that God is infinitely energetic. I don't think he like has some uh, need to like take a nap or, you know, things like that. Um, but I think in, this, in the story of the human story, right, we had just been created as human beings, that God was beginning to show us the value of the Sabbath uh, by him choosing to do it here in Genesis chapter 2. And um, it says in Genesis 1, 31, it says that our father looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And so I think the Sabbath in, in that moment in, in Genesis chapter 2 was for two reasons. I think the Sabbath was a um, beautiful celebration and meaningful exhale from the work of the six days that God had done um, and accomplished. And I think that man was able to see their God, even though he had no tiredness or weariness, model the glorious Sabbath rest and appreciation. So I think that God was, was doing th two things. He was, he was creating a visible representation of what it looks like to live Sabbath for us, right? Showing us how to live. And two, I think he was just taking a step back like we should at the end of our week when we take our Sabbath and just taking this exhale and saying like, Man, whew, I accomplished some pretty amazing things last week. I should appreciate that, right? I should appreciate the things that God has done in my life. I should look back at those things and value those things. I think that's one of the things that God was doing in the midst of that. Um, but over the course of time, as with most things that our Lord built, the Sabbath was added onto and distorted from its original design by human hands, right? So we begin to see over the course of Scripture, that the Sabbath was added to and added to, and the law was built up and built up. And so it wasn't the law anymore. It was just a bunch of rules and regulations that man had created to build a bubble around the Sabbath so that we could never possibly break it because there was all these, you know, what the one of the sayings that you hear is, uh, good fences make good neighbors, right? That was kind of their philosophy. It's like, if we just build enough fences, then we won't ever break God's law. And it reminded me of this house that I ran into this week at work. Um, this is a big, beautiful home in a newer part of Manteca. has a great backyard with a pool, has a huge kitchen and these really cool vaulted ceilings and a three-car garage. I mean, it has like everything. Um, the backyard is like really meticulously manicured. Um, but at some point over the last 10 years, this is like a 10-year-old house, 
um, the owners decided to add what I call their touches. We call this like weekend warrior projects where somebody really thinks they have skills and they don't. Um, and they added a two foot tall platform in the dining room, like it's just above the normal floor. Not really sure what that's for. <laughs> Uh, they added this weird funky island thing with like these poorly laid tiles and this really strange trim work. They had these like elaborate like single wall designed painting things. And um, the reality is, is that um, even though they thought they were beautifying their home, now um, we're tearing out all the stuff to bring it back to like its natural beauty. And I think that's what... Um, the rabbis did in generations after the creation and up until Jesus, this is how they interacted with the law of God. They took the laws like the Sabbath and they added it to it a little bit here and a little bit there um, until there were thousands of extra rules and regulations that God never intended for his people. Um, he, they built these human creations on top of what God had made and that Jesus comes as we did in this house to tear out these additions or these beautification projects to bring us back to what the original beauty is of his law, which is perfect and holy. And that's what he's doing in this. And so with those ideas in mind, let's look back at the passage in Luke 6. So we see that Jesus' disciples are walking through a gorgeously ripe field of grain when they feel a hunger deep within their stomachs, right? We can all, you know, a couple times this week I forgot my lunch and by the time I got home like at four, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. Like, I don't even care what I eat. I'm just so hungry. And I just imagine the disciples, they've been working hard. They've been following Jesus around. They've been dealing with the crowds. They've been like the riot police to try to keep people from like, you know, hoarding, you know, getting all over Jesus. And they walk through this like beautifully organic, non-GMO, you know, <laughs> field of grain, right? And they begin to pick the wheat and they peel off the skins um, and just as a snack, right? Um, and they just begin to eat these things um, as they're on the way to care and love more people. Like, that makes sense. Like, I need a snack in between me going to do more good. Um, and some of the Pharisees, as Jesus' entourage, I don't know if these guys just literally, like, followed him around. That was, like, their job now. Like, I just imagine it's, like, like a set of groupies, but that they, they don't like you. It's, like, the opposite of, like, what you'd have with a band. Um, and they follow him around, and they say, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting the grain on the Sabbath? And I love how one scholar describes it in this scene. He says, When the disciples did what they did in the eyes of the religious leaders, they were guilty of reaping, threshing, winnowing, and preparing food. Four violations of the Sabbath in one mouthful. So they had broken four of their man-made laws. Um, and Jesus strikes back at their accusations of the Pharisees with a story about King David, um, who is perhaps the most revered and respected Jewish monarch in the history of their culture. When you talk about David, man, people were like, David was like up on a pedestal. This guy was the bomb. Like David and Moses and maybe like Isaiah like or Elijah were like up there at the top. And you don't say anything bad about David or them or those are fighting words, right? And he, Jesus talks about, well, guys, you remember that time when David... He goes into the temple of the Lord and he takes the bread that was set aside just for the priests that was holy, that at least you called it holy, and David ate that with his soldiers and they were not, they were not priests. Like, what's going on here? Um, and 
this would have also you know, been an image of breaking their rules um, or breaking the laws that man had created. And then Jesus in his authority as God also adds, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Or Eugene Peterson says, the Son of Man is no slave to the Sabbath. He is in charge, right? He's the one who created it. He's the one who built it. He's the one who knows it better than you know it, better than you think you know it. And Jesus is in this passage, stripping away all the unnecessary rituals and rules to get to the heart of the matter, which is Sabbath rest for his people. And I love how another biblical scholar says about the Sabbath. He says, any application of the Sabbath which operates to the detriment of man is out of harmony with God's purpose. I want to say that again. Any application of the Sabbath law which operates to the detriment of man is out of harmony with God's purpose. So anything that would act as if it's the Sabbath, but harms man or causes a more burden on man is not what God intended for the Sabbath. And this gets me to, the, to one of four purposes, I think, that, um, in this passage of God's purposes for the Sabbath. The first one is, I think Sabbath is designed to bring rest and comfort to our physical bodies, our emotional selves, and to the deepest parts of our souls. Um, so it's not just about sleep, as important as that might be. Um, I know that on Sundays I really enjoy, that's our Sabbath day, is to sleep in and just lay in bed and not have to feel like I have to go anywhere or do anything, right? Um, it's deeper than that. It has to do with our physical bodies. Just, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need a break from like the emotional state of life. It's just like there's all of these things that swirl and these people that try to throw things at you or like carry their burdens for them and God is just giving us a rest from that. And even for our hearts, like sometimes we just need God to do things in our hearts. And I love how it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden, and the burden I give you is light. And so, I think Sabbath for me, recenters uh, our beings, it recenters ourselves um, on Him and allows His Spirit to fill us up for the journey that's ahead, right? We talked about how in, in uh, Genesis chapter 2 that God was looking back and saying, man, how amazing was that that I did? But it's also, I think, a refreshing and a refilling so that we can look forward to what God is going to do in the week um, to come. And I think the Lord um, is gifting us with the ability to recharge our batteries and to be comforted in the deepest parts of ourselves. Um, in Exodus 16, um, verse 29, it says, They, or us, must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. Um, it's the gift that God has given us. I think it's pretty amazing. Um, so let's continue. Uh, yeah, let's continue uh, to the second story in this passage. On another Sabbath day, Jesus is doing what he... What he always does, which is he's teaching in the local church, um, he's teaching in the synagogue, he's reading the scroll um, of the Old Testament, and in walks a man with a deformed hand, which Jesus sees immediately. That's what I lo- one of the things I love about Jesus is that he immediately sees our needs. Um, it's evident. It's like, I just imagine this church filled with people, and this one guy walks in with a deformed hand, and Jesus sees it like... As soon as the guy walks in the room, he sees past all the other stuff to see the needs of his people. And 
Um, the Pharisees, on the other hand, see immediately see an opportunity to catch Jesus and breaking their rules, right? And it says, if he healed the man's hand, they plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. What a sick mindset of the teachers of the religious law had towards Jesus and those in need, right? They, they didn't care about what people needed. They didn't care about healing people. They didn't care about people being restored. They didn't care about any of this other stuff besides the fact that they wanted power and Jesus was a threat to their power, a threat to their control, a threat to their religion. And Jesus was messing it all up for them and they were just looking for a way to eventually send him to his death uh, because he was just doing too much good stuff for God's people. And it says, um, Jesus summons the man right up to the front. And I think, to me, it's like Jesus is saying, this is a teaching moment here, okay? I'm not going to just like heal him over here in the corner. And that's not because I want to get glory for this, but like, I want to show you guys, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what's going on here. And the Messiah says to the crowd, he asks them this question, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Again, this is a teaching moment. Guys, let's talk about what the Sabbath really looks like. Let's talk about what it really means. Um, and I love, no one is brave enough to answer Jesus. They're all like dead quiet. It's like silence. A pin could drop in the room. And it says Jesus simply restores the man's hand. Um, and of course, those who are against Jesus says were wild with rage and looked for ways to get rid of him to trip him up, to, to execute him eventually. And our Lord, I think, basically tells and shows the crowds that there is never a wrong day to do something truly good or that human need is more important than religious rituals. Um, there's never a day that is bad to do good stuff, right? To do good things for people. And I think this gets us to our, our second purpose for the Sabbath. Um, I think the Sabbath... Uh, allows us time with God unhindered by our schedules for Him to work in our lives. Unhindered by our timetables, unhindered by our work schedules, unhindered by all these things that we just allow ourselves to slow down one day a week so that He can speak into the deepest parts of our lives, right? I think that God uses this day to hit the reset button for us um, and allow us to get back on course with Him. In Exodus 16.23, I, I said earlier that we're going to talk a lot about Exodus, um, which is Riley's favorite book. Um, it says, Tomorrow would day, be, day, be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So we're taking time to stop, to think, and just to be with Jesus on this day. And I think for us in our culture, it's so hard for us because we, we live 24 hours a day, uh, six days a week, we're hyper-focused on ourselves being the center of our universe. That's the reality. We are so selfish and self-centered. It's all about me. I got to accomplish my career. I got to do this. I got to go to the gym. I got to, you know, all these things we have to do in our lives, right? And we're so hyper-focused. But on the Sabbath, I believe that Jesus takes, retakes his rightful place at the center of our lives. He says, hey, hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Uh, yeah, you know you've been focusing on you this whole time? You know that, like, I'm at the center of this thing. You know that the universe is like, I, I think of it like back in the 1300s when they thought that the whole universe revolved around the earth. I think that's how we think. All the planets, all the stuff in our lives, everything revolves around us. And Jesus is saying, uh-uh, hey, I'm the sun over here. Uh, the whole thing revolves around me. That's how this works. And if it doesn't, everything gets out of place. Everything gets off its axis. 
And I think that we just need to stop and just to be with Jesus so that we can remain in love with our first love, right? Remind ourselves that, man, Jesus, you're right. I've made this whole week about me. I've made my whole life about me, and I just I need to realize that it's not. It's about you. And if I put you at the center, everything else seems to kind of work itself out. But if I put me at the center, it, it never quite goes how I want it to go. Um, let's look at the third story. After all these powerful moments with the crowds, Jesus again withdraws to what it says is a solitary place on, uh, on a mountain so that he can pray. It says that he spends all night talking, listening, and hearing the voice of his Father. Um, at daybreak, Jesus returns to the city and calls the 12 guys who would spend the next three years being inspired to take the whole gospel to the whole world. What a beautiful relationship with his Father that he would go up there to spend time with the Father and they would have this conversation and say, hey, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Like, they, I just imagine they were just like, like man, I think, I think Peter's really good at this. I think James is really good at this. Maybe, maybe when I die, I mean, Jesus knew what he was going to go. It's like, maybe when I die, I think James might be able to go to this part of the world and he's going to have a voice to speak here. And maybe Peter's going to go to the Jews, and he's going to be really good at speaking Jewish language. And, and maybe, you know, all these different guys, he has these plans for them, and he comes down with just this, this list of guys, these 12 dudes that are going to take the gospel to the whole world. And I think if praying and listening weren't cool enough in themselves, I think Jesus showed the value of rest and time away from the rigors of everyday life. Like Cassie talked about a couple weeks ago, she said, I mean, Jesus was like going 24, I mean, he would stay and pray until three or four in the morning probably for people. He said that there were times when he, the crowds would just keep coming and Jesus would just keep praying. People would just keep getting healed and he wouldn't stop until people, there was nobody left. And so he was going, 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 but he showed them the value of just taking time away and going away by himself and just spending time away from those rigors. And I think, to me, this gets us to the value, the third value of the Sabbath for us, which is to trust God that He can complete more within us in six days than we can in seven. Mm-hmm. To me, this is like a uh, Sabbath is like a tithe principle um, with our energy and our passion. I think in our culture, the reality is we're accessible 24 hours a day mm-hmm. on our mobile devices. We can check our email. We can check our phone calls. I mean, we can go on the Internet. We can, I mean, all these things. Um, America is one of the greatest places in the world for wasted vacation hours. I think we waste more vacation hours than any other like country in the world because we're just so consumed with like, my work isn't going to be there tomorrow. I just have to finish it, right? Um, we take work home with us as part of our job and we just we bring it with us. We don't leave it at wherever we are. And I think uh, being a workaholic in our culture, it's encouraged, it's rewarded, it's praised. I mean, you advance your career if you just kill yourself at work, right? Um, I know guys who, who work in construction trades and they work for us five days a week, eight hours a day, and then they work on the weekends for other guys. I'm like, man, I don't know how you do that. I'm exhausted by the time I get to the weekend, right? And I think that we need a day to simply stop the work and trust that God is bigger than our jobs and bigger than our finances, um, that he, he has more for us than we think he does, um, And I was looking at this study uh, that was done out of Norway, um, and it concluded that workaholics are much more likely to suffer from ADHD, 
OCD tendencies, anxiety, and depression. The numbers were staggering. Like some of these were like, you're 30% more likely to have these if you're a workaholic than you are if you're not, which is incredible. Like we're literally running ourselves into the ground and making ourselves sick by the way that we work and the way that we live. Our, God has designed our bodies and our souls for rest. And when we don't do these two things, we break down and are not able to function the way that God has created us to. I think when we don't rest, we're not living, we're existing. We're just trying to make it. You know, I constantly, the people I talk to in life, when I go to the bank or I, I talk to my coworkers, they're just, they're just trying to get to Friday. It's like everything is about just getting to the weekend. I don't think that's how God has designed us. That's not, to me, living. That's just existing for the first five days of the week. And then you get to the weekend and I think it's a letdown because it's not as great as we want it to be, right? Um, and I remember that, that even our God in Genesis 2 ceased working and saw that it was very good when he rested from his labor. He saw that it was good. So we must take a step backwards from our jobs to see the good that we've done and take time to rest for the adventures that are ahead. Our life, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon, right? And sometimes we live our lives as sprints. And my, I've told several of you guys that that's how my body works. When I go too hard, and I just work and work and work and work and work. And I could work all day. I mean, Cassie could tell you, I could wake up at 7 and be on the phone. And I could be piddling around the house until 10 o'clock that night. It's just how I operate. But when I go too hard and I don't rest, my body shuts down and I get sick. It's like God's way of telling me, like, hey, idiot, stop. <laughs> you need to rest, right? Um, but we need to take that time so that so that we can live full lives that are long and fruitful throughout. That we don't have just two years of fruitfulness or five years of fruitfulness or ten years of fruitfulness. That we have decades of fruitfulness, right? The reality, the sad reality, is that most of us are going to work for the next 35 years of our lives, right? And so this is, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Um, and with that being said, there's one final reason I think that is valuable about the Sabbath, um, I think it's to show that we belong to Jesus. Um, taking time to rest has and always will be countercultural. Like I said, it doesn't, for, it doesn't meet our career objectives. It doesn't look good to our bosses or those we work with. Um, you know, it, even, even thinking about being a part of community, um, and even in America, as, as we become less and less Christian, as we become less and less religiousized, um, being a part of Christian community as a form of rest is something that people notice and associate with faith. When you go to church on Sundays, people associate that with, with God being involved in your life, whether you're Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or Christian or whatever. If you take a day to go and be a part of community, people associate that, right? They mark you in some way. I think of a conversation I had with um, my coworker, Ross, where he calls me on the weekends. And he's like, Hey, I know I can't call you tomorrow morning. He calls me on Saturday because you're going to be at church. I'm like, hey, Ross, man, I told you like five times. Like we do church on Saturdays. And he was like, oh, yeah, I know you're a Christian, you know. So I know that you go to church on this day. And I'm like trying to, even in his mind, a guy who, who doesn't know much about Christians and doesn't know much about God, he associates that type of rest being a sign of being a Christian, right? 
And it says in Exodus 31, 13, it says, Be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of a covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given to you so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I love that. It is a sign of a covenant, a relationship between us and our God from generation to generation, which basically just means forever. Um, There's no end to it. And we as followers of Jesus are set apart from a world around us and are designed to look and act different than those who don't yet know Jesus. Taking a Sabbath is a way for us to live out through our physical and spiritual decisions what God is doing within our hearts and our souls, right? And I think that our Saturday nights, at least for me, is, is a part of our Sabbath. It's a way for me to be rested. It's a way for me to be encouraged and strengthened, right? And that when we set this aside, that we're marked as somebody who knows the Lord. Um, so to me, we need Sabbath. We really, really need Sabbath. I don't think we could stress enough how valuable ceasing from work and resting in God is for us. Our physical bodies, our emotional state, and the deepest chasms of our soul require regular R&R, rest and relaxation. Without a once-per-week regimen of Sabbath, we have a tendency to spin out of control And honestly, we have a tendency to just wear out. Uh, We have a tendency to to make other things a priority. And that God has designed us for a beautiful time for us to cease working and simply be in His presence, which makes us whole. He has made space for us to recharge and rejuvenate. And the Lord wants us to use this once per week time, whenever that might be. And it doesn't have to be Sundays. It could be Mondays. It could be Wednesdays. I don't think He's concerned with the day of the week, as long as we take it, um, to bring energy and encouragement to our soul. And so I challenge each of us, as we think about the Sabbath this week, um, to be faithful to it. Not out of religious ritual, but out of a desire to serve God and to find relaxation for our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. Because God has designed it for us as as a gift. Sabbath is a gift for us. Um, So, got a couple questions for us to chat 